Veritas, we're so glad that you've joined us online here for this service, and it's my privilege to be able to open God's Word to you. I just want to, before we start, say thanks for bearing with us as we try to get into routines. You can see we've got a new backdrop. We're out here filming at the church, uh, just trying to figure out the best way to deliver God's Word to God's people, and so thank you for your patience, forbearance, as we try to kind of fumble our way through all this, but uh, we're excited because this morning we're starting this series called Follow Me. So we kind of been asking the question, what does the church need right now? What is it that we need? And it kind of had us asking another question, why do we exist? I mean, everyone's thinking about what is our purpose during this season? What are we about? What's the thing that we need to be focused on? Well, our mission is the same. We want to make apprentices of Jesus Christ. We want to make learning followers of Jesus Christ. And so we thought, what better than to go back to the words of Jesus himself and to see what he would have for us. And, and we've kind of been reflecting on Revelation 3, the, where Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. In Hebrews 12, uh, Jeff referenced this, where it says, study how Jesus did it. So look at the life of Jesus Christ and the words of Jesus, and that's what we're going to do over the next few weeks. And so this morning, if you have a Bible open to Luke chapter 12, I want to tell you a story before we, we get into this. So one of my good friends, and many of you will remember Drew Stevenson. He was the SALT director here at Veritas Iowa City, also a teaching pastor for a while before he went off to plant uh, SALT City Church up in Minneapolis. But Drew got a call one day. And it was a call, uh, I think, from his mom who, who let him know that his dad just had a major stroke. His dad was rushed to, here to Iowa City. And I remember um, I was invited into that moment. And uh, Drew, I think, had already talked to his dad and, and had that moment with his dad to be able to tell him, Dad, don't worry, I'll take care of mom. And I remember when I, by the time I came in, uh, his dad, Greg, was, was laying, laying down, and I don't think he could move at that point. Um, his body was, was paralyzed from the stroke, and um, he, he, was, he was fully with it mentally, and, and he looked at me, and I remember this moment. I'm, I feel like I'm standing on the edge of eternity with this family uh, in the hospital, sort of between heaven and earth in this moment, and Greg looks at me, and I had this one of these moments that I will never forget. He kind of pastored me in that moment, and I had my little New Testament Bible with me, and he looked at me and he said, Mark, could you read me the words of Jesus on worry from the Sermon on the Mount? And I started to flip to Matthew 6, because I'm like, oh good, I know where that is. And he said, but could you read it from Luke's Gospel? And I didn't know where it was, and so he told me, he said, it's Luke 12, 32. And I want to read these verses from Luke chapter 12, and I actually want to start in verse 29. These are the words of Jesus. He, he says, don't strive for what you should eat and what you should drink, and don't be anxious. For the Gentile world eagerly seeks all these things, and your Father knows that you need them, but seek his kingdom and these things will be provided for you. And then before I got to verse 32, Greg, he, he stops me and he says, 
these are my favorite verses in the Bible. And he just had a smile on his face. And he started quoting the words with me as I read it. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights to give you the kingdom. I called Greg yesterday and I just wanted to process this passage with him because in that moment, I realized that Greg was living in a different reality as he laid there with this stroke. And, and I wanted what he had. And I, I called him yesterday and I said, Greg, talk to me about this verse. And I asked him if he remembered this moment. He said, oh yeah, absolutely. That's my favorite verse in the whole Bible. And what struck me is Greg's peace in that moment. And here's what I realized. And this is the big idea if you're taking notes. The different reality that's true of all Christians is that Jesus followers are steeped in God reality. Jesus followers are steeped in God reality. I'm actually borrowing that phrase from the message translation of the Bible where Eugene Peterson translates this phrase, seek first the kingdom of God as steep yourself in the God reality. And I thought about that, that phrase, steep yourself in, and kind of reminded me of tea. We talk about steeping our tea. Uh, you, you take that little tea bag and you immerse it in the water. And what happens? The, as, you, as you immerse that little tea bag into the water, the, the, the water just permeates every little tea leaf and ground and, and just the tea kind of permeates the water and, this, and it kind of becomes one thing with the water as it's immersed. Before it's just a bunch of dry leaves, but once it gets dipped in that water, it just comes to life. This is what we are to be as followers of Jesus. We're to take our lives and immerse it in the reality of God. That's where Greg was in that moment. Well, look at verse 30. Jesus kind of contrasts this God reality with the world reality. Look at verse 30. He says, the Gentile world eagerly seeks all these things. So he's pointing out how the Gentiles, now this is just a word for unbelievers, people who live in a world without knowing God. They live in a world with being consumed by food, clothes, health. Those are all the things that he referenced to about all those things, starting in verse 22, about the things that people get anxious about and, and fearful about. And if we look even to the context of the verses before, starting in verse 13, he tells the story about this rich guy whose land produces an abundant harvest. And this guy's got so much stuff. Uh, he doesn't know what to do, so he decides to build bigger and bigger barns to contain all that he has. And he says to himself, hey, I'm just going to take life easy. Look at verse 20. Uh, this guy says, hey, I've got a ton of stuff, good stored up for many years. I think I'm just going to take it easy, eat, drink, and enjoy myself. And verse 20, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? And he says, that's how it will be. That's how it will be with the one who stores up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. See, the way of the world is kind of a, this, what we call a scarcity mentality. Uh, so 
There's only so much. So the world's reality is scarcity and hoarding. Scarcity and hoarding is the world reality. Think of it like this. Uh, imagine the world kind of viewing things as like, it's like there's this pie and there's only so many pieces in a pie and there's so many, only so many people, right? And so all these people are grabbing, but there's just not enough pie for everyone. So what you have to do is you have to quick grab as much as you can and fend for yourself. It's kind of like my kids when I order pizza, right? Um, I'm kind of a cheap dad. And so I, I, I argue that... Um, it costs a lot of money to feed our kids and we only have so much money to spend on food. And so I'm telling my kids, hey, we're having pizza, but I'm only getting a couple pizzas, right? And everyone gets so many pieces. So we put the pieces of, we put the pizza down and everyone just quick grabbing what's there, calculating how many pieces did you get? I, you know, there's only so much to go around, but then Grandpa Dick shows up and when Grandpa Dick buys pizza, it's a different situation. Because when you factor Grandpa Dick into the equation, we're going to have pizza coming out of our ears, right? There's plenty. Well, the world, the way the world lives is it's kind of a cheap dad. Uh, there's only so much pizza and you've got to go get what's yours. Jesus is saying that's how the Gentile world, the unbelieving world kind of views how things are. It's kind of a scarcity mentality. There's only so much. But here's how the people of God live. They live differently. Look at verse 31. But seek his kingdom and these things will provide it for you. If you're seeking the realm of God, if you're factoring God into the equation of your life, everything changes. All of a sudden, you know, oh, there's going to be plenty of clothes, plenty of food. I don't have to worry about my health. Verse 32, why? He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights to give you the kingdom. Let's just look at this verse and, and kind of go through it. The first phrase that he uses is, uh, he says, don't fear little flock. He calls us a little flock, which is, is a very endearing term, isn't it? He's looking at us like, oh, sweet little flock. It's endearing, but it also feels a little patronizing, doesn't it? I mean, Jesus looks at us as these helpless sheep. Well, it kind of reminded me of uh, our family recently got a, a bunny. Last week, we got a bunny. I don't know what we're thinking. Uh, I think we're kind of losing our minds. Last year, we got a dog, and this year, we got a bunny, which is crazy, um, the bunny's name is Mabel. I have a picture of Mabel. Here's, here's Mabel, Mabel the bunny. She's cute and uh, we got Mabel in the house and we didn't realize um, that we had a predator in the house. The predator is the dog Perry. As soon as we got Mabel in the house, Perry just goes into attack mode. You know, I'm trying to pull him off and, and the kids are holding this little bunny, which is kind of scary. Well, this week, uh, we, I think we've, for the most part, Mabel has survived a week. Uh, we've protected the bunny so far, but my wife was out uh, in the front lawn taking a, a picture of this sweet little bunny. And you guys, all of a sudden, this huge hawk swoops down right over my wife's head, within feet of her head, 
and is about to swoop and grab the little bunny. The bunny's like right in front of her. The, the hawk swoops down and she kind of protects the bunny and it, it just lands like right near them. It's just waiting for her to step off so it can, it can just pluck this helpless little bunny. There are actually more predators than we realized and this world is a dangerous place for Mabel the bunny. All right, this bunny literally has no defense, self-defense mechanism. The only defense mechanism that this bunny has is to hunker down and hope that somebody protects it from the predator. Okay, here's what Jesus is saying. Sheep are like big bunnies. Sheep are like big bunnies. Fear not, little bunnies. That's us. But if we're so helpless, why should we not be afraid? Look at what he says. Because. Do not be afraid, little flock. Because. Because what? Because your father delights. Let me stop there. Your father delights. First of all, your father. I mean, this is mind-blowing. We have a family. We've been adopted into a family. We have a dad. The Bible says we cry out, Abba, Father, this, this endearing term for daddy, daddy. We have a father, and, and Jesus says this in John chapter 10, verse 27. Listen to these words, John 10, 27. He says, my sheep hear my voice. Remember this little flock? We hear his voice. Jesus says, I know them. I mean, think about that. He knows us. He knows us by name intimately. He says, I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Isn't that the most amazing news that you've ever heard? You will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Wow, what a picture. Jesus is saying, I am holding them. My Father is holding them. You see, in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit has sealed us with his presence. Like, we cannot lose God. He will never lose us. It's not like one of my kids holding the bunny. It's like, no, a very strong person holding us. That's God. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Being steeped in the God reality means knowing that you have a father who holds you. Being steeped in the God reality means knowing that you have a father who holds you. Let's go on and just as we continue to just Look at this, verse 32, he says, do not be afraid, little flock, because your father, what? Your father delights. Your father delights. Another translation said, says it, it's the father's good pleasure. He loves you and he delights in you. He's smiling, he's laughing. I love this word that Jesus uses about God the Father. And I was thinking about this, how Satan's plan for us 
is to get us to question the goodness of God. If Satan can cause us to believe that God is not good, he has won every battle in our lives, right? If he can convince us that God is not good. So think about it. Is God really good? Did God really say you can't eat from this tree? I mean, look at how good that fruit looks, right? I mean, this goes back to Genesis and and the first lie is, is a lie about who God is. Is God really good? Satan has won every battle in your life if he's won that battle for your view of who God is. And I think all of us kind of question this about God. Is is God really good? Does God really love us? And, And going back to this idea of steeping ourselves in the reality of God, like a tea bag dipped in this boiling water, and I can just see Satan like, hey, if you put your life in the reality of God, he's gonna kill you. I mean, look at that boiling water. It's so scary. If you do this, you're dead. But what's the truth? When, that, when those dry tea leaves hit that water, boom, it all comes to life. It all comes to life. Your joy depends on you immersing yourself in the God reality that, that he is good. He is good and he wants to share his joy with you. So he delights to give you something. And with this word, delights the good pleasure of God. Jesus is confronting a million lies. Maybe it's the lie that you think about God. I struggle with this. Sometimes I I think that God is generally disappointed with me. I think that God is in heaven just kind of shaking his head like, oh, he blew it again. Look at the way you're treating your kids. Look at the way you're not loving your wife. Oh, man. It's just like he's on his throne, just constantly shaking his head. Maybe it's a God who, yeah, he adopted me, but he kind of regrets it. He he tolerates me. He like, and I can look at other people. I'm like, man, I can see why God would love them. I mean, man, they've really got their life together and they're living for God. But then there's me, like I fail in so many ways. And God just kind of tolerating me in his home. But This is not the picture that Jesus has of God. It's a God who delights to give us something. And so if you're taking notes, go back to your point on God delights, uh, your God knowing that you have a father who holds you. uh, Before father, right, good, good father. Being steeped in the God reality means knowing not just that you have a father, but you have a good, good father who holds you. This is what Jesus wants us to know. And is there anything less in doubt than the goodness of God? I mean, he invented joy. He is joy. He is life. He created it. Every good thing that you've ever experienced in your life was God's invention. God wants to bring us to life. So we see this. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights. What does God delight to do? Listen. He delights to what? This word is so important. This will teach you so much about God and your relationship with him. He delights to give. He delights to give. 
you the kingdom. The essence of the character of God is to give. And what does he give? Well, we know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, whoever receives, he gives the right to be called children of God. That is who we are, the invitation to receive the gift of Jesus Christ. That's what we call grace. That's what we call grace and grace, this gift of Jesus Christ. Grace is God's goodness in action. Grace is God's goodness in action. Is God good? Look at the cross. Look at the cross and ask, is God good? Go back to that point and add another thing to this statement. Being steeped in God reality means knowing that you have a good good father who holds you and gives you all that he has. You have a good, good father who holds you and gives you all that he has. Jesus says he delights to give you the kingdom. He gave us the king, Jesus, And now he gives us the whole kingdom. We enter into eternal life through Jesus Christ. And then Jesus looks around at his empire, at his kingdom, and he says, it's all yours. All, hey friend, from last week, remember Jesus calling us friends? You're not slaves in my kingdom. You are friends. And all that I have belongs to you. This is what God delights to give us. You know, I think another lie that Satan tells us is that God is not good, but also that God just wants to control your life. If you step into the kingdom of God, that world where Jesus is king, oh yeah, he's just gonna control your life. Think of it like a child who really doesn't wanna live at home because mom and dad have so many rules. They're all about the rules, right? And they just have this view of mom and dad that they just wanna control their life. They just wanna dictate their life. And so the child goes off and chooses to live a homeless life because they're free, right? Well, when you step into the kingdom, you do lose something. You lose your life in a sense. But the life that you lose is the life of a homeless person. Like if a homeless person gives up their homelessness to step into the kingdom, into a castle with a king, did they give up anything? I mean, they had to give up their dirty clothes and their sleeping bag, but they gained an empire. This is the invitation, the invitation to jump into the kingdom of God, into a relationship with God, and the kingdom starts now. He's given you the kingdom And he loves to give you the kingdom. You don't have to die to get it. You have access to the king and the kingdom today, right now, wherever it is that you're watching or listening, Jesus Christ is inviting you in. And so now I wanna end with this question. How does God now relate to you, to us? How, How do we interact with God as we reflect on these words of Jesus? 
Well, God is the giver. And we are the receivers. If God delights to give, then our job is to simply receive. So your job is to be in need. The bunny's job is just to let God protect them. Let, let, let me protect the bunny. That's all the bunny can do is just to stay in that place of need. Can you do that this week? Can you just need God? That's the application of this sermon is to need God. Jesus says it this way, seek his kingdom. Long for the kingdom of God. Desire the kingdom of God. Maybe this time has caused you to look at your life and you see all these other things. Maybe it's sports. Maybe it's bank accounts, retirement funds. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's clothes. Maybe it's food. And you're looking at all your stuff and you're realizing none of these things can satisfy me. I need to seek something greater. And look at how it ends, verse 33. Jesus says, Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old, an inexhaustible treasure in heaven where no thief comes near, no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The last thing I want you to write down if you're taking notes is that being steeped in God reality means knowing that there's always enough to share. When your life is, life is steeped in the reality of God, you know that there's always enough to share. It's a life of freedom. The scarcity mentality of the world that there's only one pie and there's only so many pieces, so you gotta go get what's yours. The, the way unbelievers do life is getting, but the way kingdom people live is giving. Because we know we factor God into the equation and he has given us his son. He has given us his kingdom. He has given us eternal life. He has given us every good gift through Jesus Christ. And so we have plenty. We have all we need. So all that's left is to open our hands, receive from God, and whatever comes to us goes through us to the world. This is our time, church, to be confident in the provision of God and to share all that God gives us with the people around us. Maybe it's a word of encouragement. Maybe it's a text. Maybe it's some food. Maybe it's some clothes. Who knows what God wants to do through us? But may we be a people who just stay in that place of receiving and giving. Let me pray for us. Jesus, my prayer for us as a church and anyone who might be listening is that we would take our life right now and just immerse ourselves into your son, Jesus Christ. We come before you and we want to experience the fullness of the kingdom. We want your kingdom to just invade every part of our lives, but we know, Lord, that we struggle we struggle with fear. We're, we're like those helpless little sheep or bunnies. We, we struggle with fear. 
And we need you to just come and remind us, help us to live a life steeped in God reality, in who you are, in the abundance of you and your provisions for us. So meet us right now, we pray, in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, amen.